to the uh, you know to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross, Anza, yes! Touchdown, they did it! Ah, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in, joining us on a, what day is it, Wednesday? Yeah. It's been a weird week programming for us here on the fan. It had a couple of shortened shows right when everything was happening, and then we had a lot that we could have done yesterday, and we didn't even have a show uh, since we had the, the bowl game and then the jazz game. So... Kind of roll over some of that stuff into today, um, but there's also more news today. Like there's enough that just happened today that it could cover an entire show. So we're packing about two and a half days worth of content <laughs> into one single show. Maybe spread it out over a couple of shows. And yeah, because we we still haven't been able to react to the uh, the loss. To yeah, Weber State. Weber State lost. The Jazz lost to the Cavs. They've played another game since then. Uh, but if you're lacking for full court press content, we have been releasing our new podcast, the Light the A podcast. Yes. Where we've been featuring a bunch of interviews with, uh, we had Rod Tour on as our first guest. We recorded these a while ago. We meant to release them back in November, but shenanigans and some of my own procrastination meant that uh, like half of the delay was my procrastination and half of the delay was shenanigans. Or just delays and stuff that wasn't all my fault. So, <laughs> just yeah, things we, well, happened. Yeah, it's, we had to get some things produced and sent off to big voice people. And holidays make things a little bit tough for yeah. so timelines. So, anyway. I don't, I don't want to shirk all the blame because some of that was on me. I was proactive about it. We recorded the episodes and then, yeah, stuff happened. The holidays <laughs> was part of that, which was part of why I didn't. I wasn't as active because of Thanksgiving. But we finally have got those out. So, we had Rod Tuller on. Um, we have that, uh, that one out, uh, Ashley Cardoza, who I awkwardly was misspelling her name. Her last name was spelling it Cardozo in a bunch of the promotional stuff. And I had to go back and change some of it. Uh-huh. Wait, it's Cardoza. Come on, man. Luckily, I think I caught most of it. But if you find it somewhere where it says Cardozo, that's me, uh, not knowing how to spell and not checking. And it's worse. Cause there's part of me that was like, Oh, I should go and double check, make sure I'm spelling this right. I was like, ah, nah, I know what it is. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, um, but then today, later today, um, later in the four o'clock hour, it'll be published. It's scheduled to be published. Uh, our interview with John Eccles. Mm. So, and then we'll have yeah, Kristen White on. Uh, we'll have that one published, I believe, tomorrow, and then we'll cap off the week with Emmett White. These are a bunch of great conversations. I know the one with John Eccles was really fun. The one with Rod Tiller was amazing. You know, being able to talk with him a long time. Like, him and John Eccles were probably two of my favorites because you just have long conversations. Yeah, we're not constrained by hitting certain benchmarks with commercial breaks or top-of-the-hour legal IDs. So it's uh, it, it could be a little bit more free-flowing. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the conversation is 
is is short, but others it uh, it, it carries on for a little bit. So uh, it's been a lot of fun doing these. So watch for those. There'll be more coming out, but uh, in our launch week, uh, we've got uh, something new every day. Yeah, every day this week. They're going to come out once or twice a week during like the regular sports season. I'll probably somewhere between August and April. We'll try and do it twice a week. But it won't just be interviews. We'll be doing a lot of different things. Uh, we'll have little fun history pieces. I love diving into history and writing about the history of Utah State sports. And so this is my chance to make a creative outlet out of this podcast where we, you know, give you guys a bit of history. Some of you will remember that history. Some of you may be more like me where it's like you didn't know some of these things. That's and it's part of why I did the whole bowl history thing is that I, I can't get enough of it. So I keep doing these 3,000 long, word long, uh, you know, feature articles. But instead of having to read that wall of text, maybe I'll be probably putting some of that stuff in podcast form so you can listen to it and digest it a little easier. Yeah, so. that's good. No, I like that. So that's for the uh, Aggie Diehards, uh, unique content uh, from you know, current past Aggies, uh, coaches, players, others that w- were associated with, with athletics. Uh, and then, yeah, Jason, Jason and I will, will on occasion – just kind of break down some some other things, our own opinions of, of what's going on, or some history of uh, of Utah State, uh, which does have a, a rich history in some sports that some people may not realize. And so that's what we're going to do. Because on this show, you know, we spend a good deal of time talking about what's going on now, and uh, we don't always. I mean, sometimes we do uh, have opportunities to bring in former players and reflect back. Um, but this uh, Light the A podcast will allow us to do that in, in a deeper, richer fashion. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and we'll, we'll play probably some of those or portions of those interviews. Uh, we can't play the entire mix. The Rod Tool interview was like 40 minutes long almost. But we'll try and have some of that for you guys. We'll play clips of that on the show, obviously listen to the full thing. And then another big key of this podcast was a chance to talk about, you know, some of the sports we don't get to talk about with Utah State. We cover football and basketball and occasionally women's basketball. I mean, we'll have on some of the other coaches we had on Rob Nielsen. We've had on some other coaches of, of these other sports, and those are great conversations, but they're limited because we tend to spend more time on the, you know, the, the banner sports, the money-making, I should say the revenue sports. Because technically the banner sports tend to be the other <laughs> sports. That's where we're getting banners. But, you know, it, it's a chance for us to update on a regular basis. You know, that'll probably be one of the podcasts per week is, all right, this is what's happening in the sports that we're not necessarily talking about on the show. Here's what's going on, you know, interviews, stats, things like that. Just updates so you can get all of the, the sports fix from all of Utah State, both from our show and from this podcast we'll be releasing on a regular basis. Yeah, so watch for that. In fact, uh, next week, uh, because of certain holiday uh, uh, travel plans and bowl travel plans and things like this uh, we will uh, we're planning on um, getting some of those uh, uh, interviews that we did on our podcasts on this show yeah. uh, to still bring you some uh, unique quality content so yeah. stay tuned for that that may be the one time where we play entire podcast episodes big big chunks <laughs> where some of these are half hour long deals and we just like all right let's play them yes now we can get a taste of that you know during our normal programming. Cause yeah, I'm going to be off in Texas and Eric's going to be off in, 
I don't know, Mexico or something. <laughs> not not that far south. All he said is he's going south. So I don't know how far, like Argentina, you're going to celebrate the <laughs> World Cup. I don't think there's any room to land there. Everybody's still outside <laughs> play, uh, celebrating. Yeah. It's nuts. Probably. That was, yeah, that was a crazy match. Uh, okay, well, that's something we haven't talked about yet either, too. But uh, anyway, lots to discuss here on the Full Court Press today. 435-339-0321. If you want to chime in, uh, Utah State, the early signing period, a big number of players announced for Utah State today, and quite a bit of them will be able to arrive on campus in January to enroll and uh, start nutrition, weight training, and spring ball. That's huge, huge. I don't remember that many players being available that early as part of the recruiting process uh, for Utah State. So uh, big implications for the Aggies moving forward. Uh, Utah Jazz, how they're doing. Um, bowl games going on. So there's there's a lot. Uh, by the way, speaking of bowls, uh, Utah State, uh, uh, Blake Anderson met with the media today to talk about uh, his uh, signing class in this early signing period. But he also spent time previewing Memphis as well. Calvin Tyler Jr., Hunter Reynolds also spent time with us earlier today. Uh, if you'd like, you can go and listen to what they had to say. That's on the uh, 106.9 The Fan podcast feed. That's on our website. Uh, wherever you subscribe to podcasts, you can find us there uh, and hear what they had to say in their prep for Memphis next week. Uh, but if you want to chime in, I'll get to your texts. A couple of them coming through on 435-339-0321. This was sent in this morning, 5451 Utes versus Nittany Lions in the Rose Bowl. Who's going to win? Um, what's the line on that game? I would think Utah would probably be favored, but I'm not sure. Utah should be favored. I can't remember if I did not pay attention to Penn State at all this year. Um, I saw a little bit of Penn State, uh, and then they kind of disappointed, and then they kind of rounded back into form later. That sounds like every single Penn State year ever. <laughs> So uh, Utah is favored by two and a half. Yeah, that's that seems about right. Penn State finished the year ten and two. That's kind of surprising. I made the Rose Bowl, so they had to have had a good season. Yeah, that's true. Just they weren't at the top of the of the conference since um, Michigan going to the playoff and Ohio State and Ohio State. So third place Nittany Lions. Um, I I I like the Utes. Just I feel like they have an attitude of unfinished business after what happened last year and how it happened. Um, I think there, there's an attitude of playing on house money, even getting there this year compared to maybe expectations last year. So I don't know. That's kind of my thought. Uh, the Utes have played extremely well in these big games. They beat USC, beat them twice, I believe. Yeah, they did. They're the reason that USC isn't in the playoff. The pretty much sole reason. USC isn't in the playoff. Their only two losses were to Utah. Yeah. So Utah's done very well against these higher-ranked teams, and Utah did very well against you know Ohio State last year, an Ohio State team that was stacked. And they played very well, and it was a very exciting game. Um, and this year, it'll obviously look different. Penn State's obviously a very different team. Utah State's theoretically better than they were last year. Utah? Yeah, Utah. Who did I say? Utah State. Yeah, Utah State's not better. <laughs> <laughs> Utah is better. So you'd think 
But it never turns out the way you think it does, where you say, okay, Utah's better. Penn State's not as good as Ohio State last year. So you'd think, all right, Utah should definitely be able to win this game. But it never seems to go the way we think it does. And the Rose Bowl's had some pretty classic games the last few years, very back-and-forth games the last few years. So I'd, I'd probably lean towards Utah, but I don't feel comfortable picking a winner in this game. Yeah, it's pretty tight. Um, that, that that's a close game. Utah ten and three, Penn State eleven and two. Um, so I, it could be a pretty exciting game. Uh, by the way, Utah State and Memphis, Memphis by seven and a half. That's moved uh, after it was initially released, but then it's pretty much held steady since then. Yeah, moved toward Utah State from like the nine nine and a half. Um, roughly that it was at. I'll tell you what, though. The more I've looked into this, and the more I think about it, the more worried I am that Utah State's just going to get blown out. I just feel like Memphis has the ability to just put up tons of points on Utah State, or the Utah State just won't be able to stop Memphis. I'm not entirely sure Memphis will be able to completely stop Utah State, but... You know, I, I just think Memphis could be able to move the ball a lot more on Utah State than the other way around. So that makes me worried. It could be a high-scoring game, but one that Memphis could still win by multiple touchdowns. Now, there's still a part of me that recognizes that Utah State has had a tendency to step up in some of these big games. They've stood their grounds against some, some big opponents and you know, played better than my own expectations. But I'm just really worried about this game doesn't look great from a matchup perspective well i mean similar records six and six um when you look if you just look at wins and losses you know utah state started off poorly finished the the end of the season with more momentum on their side just reverse for memphis strong start they struggled down the stretch but when you look at what the scores were Memphis may have lost a number of games in a row. They may have lost, well, six games that they've lost overall. There really only was one game where they were completely outmatched. Every other game, they were in it. Um, And so they were very competitive, even in their losses. Utah State can't say the same thing. So I'm kind of with you. This this game makes me nervous, but I think Utah State... um, the. The Aggie defensive front um, uh, may be what makes a difference in this game. If they can slow that that Memphis team down with a dynamic quarterback, then uh, they'll give themselves a shot. Now, the end all be all of this game is how do you, how does Utah State contain uh, the quarterback who I'm suddenly spacing on his name? Uh, Hennigan. Yeah, Hennigan, where he's got like 3,200 yards in the season. Memphis is like 22nd in passing yards per game. I do believe they've given up a fair number of sacks, uh, quite a bit, if I'm not mistaken. So there, there's, there is a weakness the Utah State can exploit, but if they allow Hennigan, who, if you adjust his sack yards out, he'd be their leading rusher by like 100 yards, average like 5.5 yards a carry or something like that. Yeah, very dynamic. So he's the guy that can get out and run. And if they allow him to just get sit back there, sling the ball around, and when you do get a stray defensive end chasing him around, he's able to just you know, run for a first down. That's the kind of thing I'm afraid of where Utah State just can't stop them, where they just move the ball down the field at will, whether by picking apart what is now a 
attrition weakened secondary, there's multiple guys not going to play for Utah State in the secondary. Uh, guys opting out, guys injured. Like, like who's left? <laughs> and all and it what and it wasn't performing nearly as well as I'd hoped. The secondary, like I thought they were going to be pretty good this year, and they were okay at times. Uh, they made some big plays, but a lot of other times they were letting up a lot of yards more than I was comfortable with. Um, so that that's a really bad matchup where Memphis is a really good, really efficient passing team, and the secondary which was average, sometimes above average, is weakened. So they're going to functionally be below average. So I, I don't know. It's, and, but if the if the defensive front line is able to get to the quarterback, then it doesn't matter. You could have me back there playing in the secondary if you can sack the quarterback every other time because we'll have a chance to throw it to the wide-open guy I'm supposed to be covering. Right. Right. <laughs> I w- we'll get into more of the matchups uh, later on in the week. Uh, with co- uh, comments from Coach Anderson and the players, but um, it's looming. Uh, they're they're really yesterday really was the team's first real practice together since uh, Boise State. Uh, they took some time off, focused on their finals. Coaches focused on recruiting. Players spent time in the weight room, but getting back into you know, game prep, um, getting getting guys healthy. That was a big big issue that Utah State wanted to be able to to take care of and now they're full steam ahead on everything Memphis. So, we'll we'll do the same over these next few days. Uh 9315 texting in, why must you make me remember the loose to Weber? And yes, I am so confused by the loss that I said loose with two o's. <laughs> <laughs> it it felt that bad where say, "Oh, it's loose." Yeah, you loosed. Uh, eight nine six eight, kind of adding on to that. What did I say about playing Weber State? Those guys are usually hard for the Aggies to play. They always want to beat the Aggies, and they are always lying and waiting for us. Only a few times have we thumped them. This should have been one of those years, but yeah, the Wildcats came to play. Utah State came in, uh, showed they were the better team in the first half, like very much. They were getting whatever they wanted and making whatever they wanted, just about. And then. Just kind of late second half, it was actually, it kind of started late second half. And then just in the second half, in the first, I think, 10, 11 minutes of the second half, the Aggies had scored six points after scoring like 41 or 42 in the first half. So it was awful. Truly awful. And it's just, like, I I need I needed to look up this. Oh, there's one stat I was planning on looking up, where I think Utah State, if I remember correctly, is winless when they score less than 70 points under Ryan Odom. I believe I saw that in the in the notes before the Weber State game. I don't know how where it is in terms of like if they score 72 or fewer, but it kind of goes to show that right now under Ryan Odom, the Aggies have a hard time winning these grinded out games. And 75-72 isn't always the kind of grinded-out games. Those are more of the 63-61 games. Yeah. But it kind of became that by the end, where everyone had had their spurts, and then it slowed down for a little bit. Weber State had a six-point lead or so, and you're you're four or five minutes left in the game. And it's, you know, you got to make buckets. Weber State is slowing the game down as much as possible. There were slower-paced teams. They were fine with that. Utah State wants to run, but they couldn't do that. Partly because... 
Weber State, by the end, were just making whatever they wanted. They got into the paint and got what they wanted. They were making threes. And Weber State's an average shooting team, and they were still making threes. Mostly because they were letting the good three-point shooters. They had two guys that shoot 40-plus percent from three, and they were letting them shoot those threes. So Weber State just got whatever they wanted. Utah State couldn't buckle down and play defense. So when they finally did start to catch fire a little bit, Stephen Ashworth going off, and they made a few threes, and uh, it got to that point where Utah State was making threes, and then they, you know, Weber State matched every single one of them. Yeah, that was a that was what concerned me the most. Is that at that point in the game when Utah State finally started to hit? Uh, at that point in the game, Weber State already had their momentum and they were already feeling loose. And Utah State didn't do anything to get them off track. Utah State didn't do anything to get them off pace because they were still loose. They were still making shots. So the Aggies are finally hitting and, and starting to produce points, but they didn't do anything to stop Weber. And we talked before the game. You know, big concern of this team is that it's awesome how great the Aggies are shooting, the assist-to-turnover ratios are awesome, um, the, the scoring outputs, those are all great. And they're top 20 team in a lot of categories for what they've done this year. But they're one of the worst in the NCAA in their three-point percentage defense. Hasn't really been an issue because the Aggies just outpace their opponents and just overpower them with their own scoring. But in a game where it wasn't working that glared a really ugly head, and the Aggies uh, got exposed. Yeah, and this is something that makes me, its it's been a growing worry as I've seen this complete lack of ability. It's not just one or two games where the other team shoots well from three. It's becoming every game, and mediocre shooting teams are becoming great shooting teams against the Aggies, and that's the biggest worry. I mean, Weber State shot like 33%. They were a below-average three-point shooting team. NCAA average is about 34%. Weber State was a hair under that. And they shot 50% against the Aggies. They were 10 of 20, if I'm not mistaken. So it's just really, really hard to see this over and over and just say it's a fluke. And granted, Ryan Odom has been saying for a while that he's concerned about it. So he knows it's not just a fluke. They're not playing good three-point defense. They're not forcing guys, you know, to take different shots. Um, and, and I don't know all the theory behind three-point defense. It's something I've not just, you know, talked about much. But I imagine it has a lot to do with, one, discouraging three-point shots. And then eventually teams might force three-point shots. And then you can get some misses there. I'm guessing that's what the process is. It seems to logically follow. But the Aggies just aren't defending the three-point line properly. And they're struggling to... Uh, defend guys when they get inside the the three point line. They they're struggling well, a bit rim protection wise, and uh, and also in their isolation defense, they're not doing very well. And it really kind of surprises me that that's a struggle for the Aggies on the perimeter. Just the depth that they have at that position, uh, and the players that they have uh, that are on the wings that can play outside, um, the length that they have. So it little kind of surprises me that they haven't been stronger on their perimeter defense. Yeah, it, it is weird. I thought this team would be great in their perimeter defense. You got guys like Ryland Jones. Granted, Jones has missed a few games. Um, and, you know, Max Shogo, those are two really good defenders. Dan Akin is a pretty versatile defender. He's able to do, you know, guard guys in a pinch out on the perimeter, even smaller guys. Um, but it's just, 
seems like they're just not defending very well. Taylor Funk, teams are going at Taylor Funk in some situations, thinking they can get you know, good isolation points on him. Sometimes they're attacking Steven Ashworth, and he's some you know sometimes holding up. There's good, he has good possessions, and he has not so great possessions, even against opposing point guards. So it, it's just becoming a, a big concern that Utah State's not defending well, and in these situations where you got to grind out a win, if you can't play defense, you don't win. Unless you just hit every shot for like the last two minutes, which isn't going to happen every time. And so in the Mountain West, this is going to be the, the you know, they're going to live or die by whether or not they play defense in, in crunch minutes. You know, if they don't play great defense, then they're going to have another year where they're around 500 in the Mountain West. With how tough it is this year, yeah, the offense is good and they'll blow out some teams and they'll score 90 points against some random team and they'll do fine. This is still a good team. And that's the thing. you, you got to avoid thinking that the sky is falling because you lose one game. Yeah. It's just you lost, you lost a home game to the worst team on your schedule, and yeah. that's frustrating. And granted, it happens. Iowa just lost to, I forget who they were, like 350 in the Ken Palm, and Iowa was like 21st in the Ken Palm. It happens. So let's not get over, you know, get too worried this is still an Aggie team that will probably finish toward the top of the Mountain West but in a worst case scenario they could go you know last year they went eight and ten in in conference play probably lowest end would be ten and ten and that's probably if an injury happens but you know twelve and eight thirteen and seven okay but not what you want you know that's that'd be Utah State getting beat up by their conference schedule that's possible if they don't work on this problem, they'll still win more games than they lose because their offense is just that good. But there's a glaring weakness that could keep this team home come postseason time if they don't address it. All right, more to discuss, uh, recapping what happened in the Spectrum a couple nights ago with Weber State in town, Utah State Aggies, their football team, National Signing Day, the early signing period uh, today, comments from Blake Anderson. Uh, Utah Jazz as well. So lots to get through. 435-339-0321. A lifetime of awesome memories starts with the Yamaha lineup of youth ATVs. Find the perfect Yamaha ATV for the young rider in your life at Cash Yamaha. Start with the sporty Yamaha YFZ50. Designed for riders 6 and up with easy start and parental controls. Then graduate to the Yamaha Raptor 90 with legendary Raptor Sport ATV styling and more for riders 10 and up. And for a taste of the rugged look of a utility ATV, check out the Yamaha Grizzly 90. Start a lifelong passion today at Cash Yamaha or YamahaMotorsports.com. See the Yamaha lineup today at Cash Yamaha at the Light and Hyde Park. YFZ50 is recommended for use only by riders 6 years and older and always with adult supervision. Raptor and Grizzly 90 are recommended for use only by riders 10 years and older and always with adult supervision. ATVs can be hazardous to operate. Yamaha recommends an approved training course. For safety and training information, see your dealer or call 1-800-887-2887. Oh, McDarrell has a farm and appliance farm. With down-home country prices and big city selection. E-I-E-I-O When you're looking for a friendly spot to drive a little and save a lot, hey, oh, Appliance in beautiful downtown Benson. 
Don't wait. Plan your New Year's Eve celebration now. Get your night rolling at the Riverwoods Conference Center's New Year's Eve buffet catered by Elements Restaurant. The night kicks off at 5 p.m. for you early birds. Reservations are being accepted from 5 to 8 p.m. Enjoy a delicious buffet full of appetizers, salads, garlic, rosemary, prime rib, and brown sugar Dijon pork loin. Plus decadent dessert sure to satisfy any sweet tooth. Start your New Year's off in style with family, friends, delicious food, and live music at the Riverwoods Conference Center New Year's Eve buffet. Call ahead for reservations 750-5151. Nothing compares to the warmth and feel that a wood stove provides. The two-time best of Northern Utah winning team says there's never been a better time to replace your old inefficient wood stove and install a new energy-efficient EPA-certified Vermont casting wood product in your home. The U.S. government is offering federal tax credits of 26% on your wood stove install. For Vermont casting units, that includes stoves, bending, and labor. Call or email Advanced Fireplace and Stove for a free in-home estimate. Call 435-752-7272 or go to advancedfireplaceandstove.com. The college football bowl season continues the day after Christmas with the Quick Lane Bowl as the New Mexico State Aggies face the Bowling Green Falcons. Join us live from Ford Field in Detroit for the Quick Lane Bowl on Bowl Season Radio. Kickoff begins at 1230 Monday afternoon. It's New Mexico State facing off against Bowling Green in the Quick Lane Bowl on Sports Talk Radio, bringing you the most bowl games from the Mountain West Conference. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Valley Office Systems has now been serving Northern Utah and Cache Valley since 2007. We sincerely thank you for your support over the years and want to wish you a happy and healthy holiday season. Visit valleyofficesystems.com for all your copier, printer, and furniture needs. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. One other thing that we didn't get to do yesterday is talk about our Cash Valley Media Group Region 11 Prep Player of the Week. Yeah, I know we missed it. We put it out on social media, had the story uh, on Cash Valley Daily, so you could have seen who it was. But, yeah, we, we didn't get to reveal it, which I guess 24 hours later, this is, <laughs> that was when we were supposed to do it. It was 430 Cat's out of the bag at this point. Yeah, but. it is. So I was. Uh, we had our first two-time winner of the award, either for football or basketball. Nobody won it twice during the football season, but three weeks in, and we already have a two-time winner, and it's uh, Emily Skinner of Ridgeline, who we said when she won it the first time, we thought she'd be back because she was a nominee week one, won it week two, won it week three. She just had a good game earlier this week where I think she had like 24 points and a couple of rebounds and assists. So she's uh, well on her way to uh, winning three or four of these awards, if not more. She arguably could be the best female basketball player to come out of Cache Valley. Yeah, I thought Amber Carter. Uh, no, was it Amber Carter? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, she was really good. Carter from Logan. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Skinner's looking. She's she's doing really well. And, and Karchner did most of her damage and got her attention in her senior year. Skinner's doing what she's doing in her sophomore year. Yeah. Well, Amber was doing really well in her freshman sophomore season. I think Logan had one of its best years ever. It was either her her freshman or I think it was her sophomore year. Um where she did a lot of damage, and so Amber was a four-year really good player. Yes, that's in true. The, average in the high teens in her freshman year. Emily was doing really good last year, but, yeah, Emily has just Karchner, jumped up. and um, 
got Logan to the championship game on her senior year. Um, Skinner got Ridgeline to the championship game in her freshman year. Yeah, so it's crazy. <laughs> it, it is nuts. But like you, you think, oh, the player this good. Oh, okay, she's like his, her senior year. It's like no, she's a sophomore. She's gonna keep going. She's gonna be a. She's she's gonna be really good. I hope Utah State is uh, putting the clamps on her. But uh, uh, I have a feeling she's gonna be leaving town for her collegiate. i be yeah. I'd be surprised if she stayed close to home. Uh, eight nine six eight on our full court press text line. Aggies looked like they done slowed and somewhat quit in the first half. Uh, second half just plain stuck. Uh, it reminded me of the football game with them. I hope they get it out of their system. I hope so, too. Do we read 4781's other text? Oh, I think I skipped over that. How did the Aggies lose to Weber State in both football and basketball in the same year? Come on! <laughs> I think it was the first time since 1978 was the, the last time they lost to him in football. Now, I got some grief from some Weber fans saying that you know Utah State should have dominated Weber State in football and basketball this year, and it's embarrassing that they lost. And they're like, oh, that's a you know, superiority complex. That's a strong word. Like, No, actually, that's the right word. Utah State should dominate Weber State in yeah. football and basketball, especially the team that they have this year. That was not a wrong word to use. That was absolutely the correct word. And that's what makes it even that much more frustrating for a lot of Aggie fans. Yeah, so Weber State's jumping up on Utah State. So, yeah, Utah State should never lose in football. Every now and again in basketball, Weber State's been a good Division One program. Then so, they did lose every now and again to them in basketball. But this right, it, was is, more, it used to be more balanced, but yeah. based on this team this year, Utah State should have dominated them in the spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. There was no reason to lose this game. Um, it was almost it's almost as much of an upset as the football game was. Granted, it wasn't a blowout, but it was about as much of an upset in terms of how shocking it was. So yeah, Utah State should have dominated. They didn't. Credit to Weber, but that doesn't change the situation <laughs> and how these two teams match up. If they played again tomorrow, Utah State probably wins by ten fifteen. Uh, Utah State dropped twenty four points in the net ranking. Uh, they've bounced back up six points today. Probably led in large part uh, by the what's happened with teams that they have played, most notably Utah Valley, who went on the road and beat Oregon last night. So, again, it's the net is about who you've played, who they've played. So it takes a lot of things into account. So Utah State did nothing last night and moved moved up six spots. Yeah, there's some teams that have done well after playing Utah State. Utah Tech is a team that's been jumping up. I don't know what they did in the last few days, but they'd been rising pretty pretty far in the NET. Obviously, Utah Valley's done pretty well. Uh, Bradley's still stuck around doing pretty well. San Diego's fallen off the cliff. So, But, you know, Bradley and Oral Roberts still going strong. Uh, Santa Clara, they're at 114. Yeah. Utah Tech's at 141. Yeah. It's, it's higher than what I was expecting, you know, low 200s or, you know, high 200s, whatever. Bradley's at 73. Yeah, so they're doing really good. They, they've they wound up being one of the, you know, best wins for Utah State given how they beat them in that game. Oral Roberts, 56. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's looking good for Utah State with some of these other teams that don't have the, the name recognition for thinking, oh, that's an elite team, but they're playing well. Uh, and they're getting wins. 
So as long as they're those... playing well, they're playing well against teams that are also playing well. Yeah. Not elite teams, not name recognition, hats in the mall teams, but they're good teams. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, that's why this guy isn't falling after you lose to Weber. Sure, the you have a fatal flaw in this team. Most teams have one. You never have a perfect team. Utah State lost because of its fatal flaw and, you know, an ability to play defense and they just went cold, which happens to everyone. That's not just a, that's not a flaw of Utah State. That's just a, it happens. You have a cold day. Taylor Funk goes two of nine from three. And not the first time. He went like 0 of 6, 0 of 7 a few times last year with uh, um, St. Joe's. St. Joe's. So it happens. Right. He had good looks. He had looks. Yeah. Had a corner three to tie it. He missed it. Uh, nine three one five in the second year of Stu. Did the Aggies go twenty five and one with the one loss to Weber? So there's still hope if Ryan is trying to copy Stu. <laughs> I guess if he starts twenty five and one, I I don't even know. Would, would you? If I guess, would you rather? Like, would you rather start a year like you know twenty and five, or have twenty five and one and have that one loss to Weber State? <laughs> Be like, you could have been 26-0 if you didn't lose to that team that's way down there. And have that. I mean, I think most people would take the 25-1 and because it means you're pretty much guaranteed to make the tournament. But Yeah, mo- it's just that, mo- that one quad four game on your schedule is, the, is yeah. your one loss. It's like that, you know, would you rather go 10-1, and one, lose, you know, lose to your rival, or go 1-10, beat your rival? It's that kind of question, in a way. <laughs> in a way, yeah. That's a tougher question than the one I've, I put forward. But... It is a would you rather Wednesday. Send in That's your would true. you rathers. There you go. Uh, five six three four. Let's hope with Weber State loss, this is a wake up call, and we go to the Diamond Head Classic with a chip on our shoulder. I think so. There's, there could be a positive you drawn. Although I will uh, note the words of Ryan Oderman that there's never a positive in a loss or a paraphrasing him because he's kind of asked that question. Like, there's nothing good about a loss, but you know, in the long run, there can be a positive drawn from this. Because it does tell Utah State, hey, look, we, you know, we've been noticing this flaw in the team. Their lack of three-point defense and some struggles on defense in general. But it never burned them. It was like, oh, yeah, we, yeah, we didn't play good defense, but we won. So we'll work on it and yeah, yeah. Okay, now you had a really embarrassing loss. You lost in front of a stadium full of fans that saw every single second of you blowing a game to Weber State. Giving up an 18-point lead. Yeah. That burns and so when you're in practice and coach says all right here's your you know the drill to you know running defense it's like hey you remember in the game oh this happened i didn't do it properly and we lost it burns so you work harder and then in the next game there's more motivation you'd have liked to not have to do that right the the best teams the best players they recognize those those times where one got away from them but they still found a way to win, and they realize that was close, and we need to do better so that doesn't happen again. Yeah, but that's that can be challenging. That can be challenging. Yeah, it's hard to be a winner every night, but the thing is, the ends can justify the means in this in this case. If losing one ends up, you know, getting Utah State even better, whatever, the ends justify the means. <laughs> It's kind of like the Patriots every year when they were doing really well. They'd always have this one random game where they were just awful in the middle of the year. Then they'd go win the Super Bowl. And it's like, how on earth did they lose this game by, like, 20 points to, like, the Browns 
or something like that. You know, they had the one kind of infamous loss to the Chiefs where they got blown the heck out. They go on to win the Super Bowl. Everyone thought they were done, but they learned from it. So, sure, you could take a positive. That's all you can do at this point, so work with what you got. Uh, Seattle uh, is the next opponent that we know for sure for Utah State, and Seattle currently uh, at 115 in the net. Now, they will play the winner of Iona and... SMU. SMU, that's right. So Iona is uh, doing well. They are currently 45th in the net. SMU, not so much. They're at 289. So you want to be able to face Iona. Yeah, this is very much a you win, you face Iona, you lose, you face SMU type situation. And Seattle compares in terms of the numbers, they compare similar to Bradley. Uh, Both Bradley and Seattle are probably the two best defensive teams in terms of defensive rating that the Aggies have played so far. And they have decent offenses. Um, And they've got, you know, uh, well, you got to be worried about Seattle because they have a guy named Cam on their team. Oh, that's a bad luck. It, it's it's not good. No. And that Cam averages about 20 points a game. So, yeah. Over under on Cam's first half at uh, 19 and a half points. <laughs> we'll do that. I should probably do that. That's not bad. Uh, for pick six tomorrow, which we haven't even revealed our pick six numbers. Oh, that's true. We for, don't uh, for last weekend. So, I do have those with me. So Yeah, we can probably reveal those. Um, yeah, there's a few things to be worried about in this game, but I'm confident the Aggies can still win, but... You know, Seattle comes in, punches in the mouth, plays good defense, and if you don't play good defense on them, then, well, it could happen. Yeah, then your opportunity to pick up solid resume wins goes out the door. Because yep. this team has good resume wins. They don't have solid resume wins, and this is your last chance to do it before you get into conference play. Yeah. And you got the, the selection committee is going to look long and hard at what you did in non-conference. Certainly, what you do in conference matters as well, but... What did you do to uh, when you had solid teams on your schedule? How did you perform? That's going to be a big question in March. Yeah. Luckily, the Aggies have played pretty well in neutral site court so far. Uh, more on that. More on Utah State's National uh, Early Signing Day for football. We'll talk about that. Here's some comments from Coach Blake Anderson. Continue to get your texts as well on a Would You Rather Wednesday here on the Full Court Press. 435-339-0321. It's never too cold or wet to get rid of that old vehicle. Now is the time to earn extra cash for the holidays by calling DD Auto and Salvage. Let them pay you for that junk vehicle. DD Auto and Salvage makes it easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles, paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. DD Auto and Salvage in Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787-1204. That's 787-1204 today. See store for details. Happy holidays from all of us here at the Cash Valley Media Group. We hope you'll do most of your Christmas shopping at our locally owned businesses. Mom and Pop stores are the backbone of this community. If you need a shopping guide, pick up a free copy of the Best of Northern Utah magazine. Go to bestofnorthernutah.com to find a pickup location. You'll find plenty of businesses with products, gift cards, and services that will thrill anyone on your list. Thanks for helping us keep it local this holiday season. And Merry Christmas. As a small business, achieving your financial goals and ambitions can be a steep and rocky mountain to climb. 
This is Brett Green, President of Cache Valley Bank. To conquer this mountain and achieve your goals, it takes planning, hard work, and discipline. At Cache Valley Bank, we have the resources, expertise, and flexibility to help you scale your way to success. Give us a call. Let's work together and climb the mountains that await. Cache Valley Bank, member FDIC. This is Zach with HSA Depot. Christmas is nearly here. Make sure you be merry and bright by using your pre-tax funds on your medical needs. We know your regular holiday budget is disappearing quick. So instead, save money by using your pre-tax income to buy qualifying medical supplies. HSA Depot carries hundreds of unique and dashing eligible products to help you conquer your health care. Come to HSA Depot next to Sally Beauty Supply and see how much you can save this holiday season. HSA Depot, 5-star review. The Aggies are going to the First Responders Bowl, and the fan is joining News Talk KVNU to bring you the game. Tuesday, December 27th, the Aggies face Memphis kickoff is at 1.15. Game day pregame show will begin at 11, as Al Lewis and Craig Hislop break down the matchup. Love the matchup against Memphis. Really good football team. Familiar with those guys. Don't miss any of the bowl game coverage and the game on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan, the home of Aggie faithful. The Aggies, Jazz, high schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press on a Would You Rather Wednesday. We've been talking a lot about the Utah State loss to Weber State in men's basketball. Uh, first chance on this show uh, for us to talk about it, to get your reactions to it as well. Aggies will be back in action later this weekend when they travel to Hawaii uh, to participate in the Diamond Head Classic. Seattle will be the first th- uh, first team that they will face. And then after that, just depends on wins and losses. Yeah, it depends on who, who plays you, who and when. Yeah, it depends on whether Utah State wins or loses and then the results of other games. So, there's several different ways this could go. Yes. So Especially once you get past the – because there's two possible opponents, and then after that it's like there's four possible opponents. And any combination of wins and losses gets you to play any one of them. But SMU, Pepperdine, Hawaii, those are other schools that are there. None of those are good. No. Uh, Iona, Washington State, those teams are good. Yeah, your your ideal – is to win every game, and you know if other results line up, you play Seattle, who's you know one fifteen in the net, Iona, who I believe you said was forty, forty eight. Yeah, mid forties or uh, high forties. And then Washington State, I've lost track of where they were, because uh, um, last I checked, they were in like the high, their mid sixties in Ken Palm, but I think they've dropped since then. They are seventy two. Yeah. So, you know, your best win there would be Iona. And a win against Washington State would be ideal. So, but there, there's always a possibility they get upset. But if you go by chalk, then well, if you go by chalk, Utah Utah State should win this. Yeah, they should. I mean, they're the highest rated team. So it would be a quad three game against Seattle, a quad one game against Iona, and a quad two game against Washington State. Yeah, with the with the outside shot at them. Jumping into quad one if they have a really good uh, rest of the season. Right. If they play well in the Pac-12, they could move up. Yeah, they have to jump into the top 50 there. Iona barely in that top 50. They're, if you beat them, 
It probably drops to a quad two game for a little bit. Right, that loss would probably knock them out of quad one territory. Yeah, they could jump back in. So we'll see. Um, Utah State, uh, before, Jason, you got to go here soon. You're, you've got a basketball game you're going to be calling for the Logan High Grizzlies. Yeah, i got to go to Preston. Making the trip to uh, Preston. But Utah State football, their signing class today, um, 23 players signed. That's pretty big number for an early signing period. And the other thing that jumps out to me is that 16 of those will be enrolling here in just a matter of weeks and be on campus in January. That is huge. Yeah, you get, I think, 16 of the 23. And mind you, there's 11 high school kids. And to 11 out of the 23, but you're still getting, so there's only, what is that, seven of them that can't make it? To well, four of the high school kids will be here in yeah, January. Yeah, so there you were you know, graduating earlier or whatnot. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy to be able to get that many. Here it, it makes sense, you know, some of the co- the you know the junior college kids and the in the Division One transfers be able to make it. That's something that's I don't think it's too hard. But yeah, getting high school kids here is big for their development. They may not play year one, but some of these junior college guys and Division One transfers, getting them here early, getting them into the weight room, getting them into the system, going that's through big. spring ball. Yeah, because some of these guys, you're going to be wanting them to compete for jobs. Because they're going to need to fill in some depth. You know, there's a lot of guys coming in from the secondary. I think they had five, yeah, four junior college guys and one uh, transfer from Utah that are coming in, and you're going to want them fighting for jobs in the secondary. Especially you're losing several guys. Hunter Reynolds, uh, you lost Gervin Hall in the middle of the season. Um, Andre Grayson, he's leaving. So got room in the secondary, and these guys are going to have to come in, you know, bolster the depth and try them to become stars here. Um, any other real takeaways for you when you look at it this uh, this class? Uh, not a ton. Uh, the running backs kind of stand out. They got a couple of guys who put up some, you know, pretty eye catching stats. They have, uh, I think it was Davin Booth. They have two guys named Davin. I keep confusing them. Um, he was a running back from uh, yeah, he's a running back from a California junior college that I can't pronounce. We had like fourteen hundred yards, eight touchdowns. They had uh. Jaden Bailey, who had an interesting story where he committed to the Aggies, decommitted, then committed again. Uh, he's from Texas. He played at a six-day high school in Texas, ran for almost 1,800 yards at Texas his senior year, and, like, had 31 total touchdowns. So eye-catching stats. The running back room could be very interesting. And he's big. And Black is, he's, he, or excuse me, Bailey, 5'10", 185. Yeah. One of the larger, uh, bigger running backs that would be on Utah State's uh, running back room. Yeah, and so that that'll be interesting. Where you got Calvin Tyler Jr., who's an absolute workhorse back. He's gone. That's 250 carries from last year that you're not getting back. And who's filling in? Can you get a true freshman in Bailey, or maybe do you lean on Booth, who's coming in with a bit more experience? He's got two junior college years under his belt, 2,000 collegiate rushing yards. Um, yeah, other- Booth. He's 5'10", 200. So he's bringing in some bigger backs. Yeah, so you got that there. So. The running back room being a little interesting. The amount of guys in the secondary they're bringing in, those are the main. And then they also have the uh, linebacker they brought in from Washington State who could jump in initially. He's not one of these, like, plug-and-play guys because he's not played as much at the collegiate level yet. Um, And Coach Anderson made it clear at his presser today, there were no promises to anybody that they'd come in and be a starter. Everybody has to come in and compete. Yeah. And he's not sure if he would be a starter, but he would be somebody that could – be part of the program that could still make an impact. 
Yeah, it's very possible this linebacking core can make a huge rebound from a underwhelming year this year where there's some lack of depth and injuries. They can make a huge jump next year with some returners and some more guys coming in. Another quick timeout here in the Full Court Press. A lot more to get through. 435-339-0321. We're heading into some crazy weather this winter, which means power outages. Tyler and his team at Golden Spike Electric can install a Generac automatic standby generator for your home so you can avoid issues when the power goes out. If you have one already, Golden Spike Electric can maintain your Generac automatic standby generator for you. Find them online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. Golden Spike Electric and Generac Automatic Standby Generators. Power you can count on. Les Olson IT is your source for top quality technology. We carry the latest desktop and laptop PCs in stock, configured to your specific needs, and backed by our award-winning support team. And if your business demands high-performance hardware, we offer custom-built computers that can tackle any task. We also offer great computer accessories like monitors, keyboards, speakers, Fujitsu document scanners, and more. Get a quote today. Les Olson IT. Merry Christmas! From our family to yours. It's the most wonderful buy of the year at Murdoch Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, and Cadillac in Logan. Unwrap the best deals on every new Chevy. But you have to hurry. Receive the gift of 3.9% for six years on the Sierra and Terrain, plus no payments for 90 days. When you walk through our doors, you feel like family. At Murdoch Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, Cadillac, and Logan, or online at MurdochChevroletLogan.com. We are professional grade. Call 866-628-3060. Receive dealer for complete details. Offer expires 1-4-23. Saturday on Compass Media Network coverage of the NFL. It's a crucial Week 16 cross-conference showdown as the AFC West leading Kansas City Chiefs host the Seattle Seahawks. Hi, this is John Rothstein. Join Mike Morgan, Brian Baldinger, and me for all the action as Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs battle it out with Geno Smith and the Seahawks, who are still in the playoff hunt. It's the Chiefs and the Seahawks. If it's the NFL, it's right here. Saturday morning, beginning at 1030 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. They never could play it, but they sure can talk about it. Eric Franson and Jason Walker on the Full Court Press. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Don't forget that you'll be more prepared for more upcoming cold winter weather. With the help from your locally owned Napa Auto Parts stores. 50 pounds of ice melt, $10 a bag. Chevron Dello 15W40 for just $15.99 a gallon. And make sure you have plenty of starting power with the Napa Legend battery. Just go check it out. Uh, the five locations between Preston and Providence. That's Napa Auto Parts. Uh, Jason Walker had to uh, uh, hit the road. He's on his way to Preston. For a showdown between the Logan High Grizzlies and the Preston Indians, should be a really good game. Two good programs right now squaring up. Uh, Bear River played uh, Preston last week. Uh, uh, Preston got the the better end of that deal. Uh, Logan's off to a pretty good start. We'll see what happens with that one. That'll be on our sister station tonight, KVNU, 102 FM, uh, 610 AM. Uh, because of some travel uh, concerns, we will not be able to bring you the Skyview game tonight. They are The boys are playing down in Murray, but we will not have that game, unfortunately. More to get through, though, here on the Full Court Press next hour. Better. 
I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The NBA is one of the most powerful leagues in professional sports, hosting over $10 billion in total revenue last season. But the NBA still faces a major problem. Over the past eight years, the league has been forced to crack down on three different owners for insensitive racial remarks. Donald Sterling sold the Clippers in 2014. Former Hawks owner Bruce Levinson sold in 2015. And yesterday, the Suns owner Robert Sarver sold his team for a reported $4 billion. The NBA has undoubtedly made improvements by no longer sweeping these controversies under the rug. But we've now said that three times in less than eight years. And although the forced sales appear to send a clear message, this behavior and thinking has no place in the league. But this has remained an issue for the NBA. And until the league can prove their actions have truly made a difference, the sheer number of forced sales over the years makes it hard to believe real change is on the way. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.